Hello everyone and welcome to Changing the Frame. We are your hosts. My name is Leo Torre. I use he, they pronouns. And I'm Indigo Chorus and I use she, her pronouns. Changing the Frame is a podcast that discusses trends and non-binary experiences in the film industries. Every episode will count with the appearance of a trans and or non-binary multimedia artist in the film industries to talk about their work. We are really excited to share these amazing talks and discussions with you all. Today, we have an incredible guest, Elijah Ndombe, who is a multidisciplinary artist and moving image director working towards embodied methods of artistic connections, care and radical imagination. In this episode, we discuss one of their most recent films, Prayers for Sweet Waters, which was screened at Sundance and won Best South African Short Film at the Durban International Film Festival. Prayers for Sweet Waters will be shown in the New Orleans Film Festival in November, so make sure to check it out. Also, Eli's photographic work on sex work and queer narratives will be shown at the Rencontres de Bamako African Photography Biennale, launching this coming week in Mali. This is Changing the Frame. Thank you so much for sending us the film. We really enjoyed it a lot. Um, If we could start uh, by just introducing ourselves. My name's Leo and I go by Hide and I'm a filmmaking student. Uh, Indigo, you want to say a little bit? Yeah, I'm Indigo, she, her. I mostly curate and program film festivals. So, Elijah, if you want to tell us name, background, hobbies, any other creative practices that you're interested in. Okay, bless. Uh, Yeah, sure. So, Elijah or Eli is fine. They, them, pronouns are fine, although pronouns could really be thrown out the door, in my opinion, but that's a conversation for another day. We live in the world we live in, right? Um, So, I, I call myself an artist. I work primarily with lens-based media, but I also have worked with food, um, with sound, with music. um, And really what interests me is, you know, storytelling, uh, community and conversation, connection as well. So I have a short film, Prayers for Sweet Waters, that I made with my team last year, uh, which has been doing really well on the festival circuit, which is a blessing, which we're going to chat about today. Um, but yeah, I also produce other other forms of work. Um, I have a few shows, group shows coming up this year for some photography work. Um, and yeah, just, mm-hmm. you know, learning every day, student of life, learning every day, also in filmmaking, student of film, you know what I mean? Like, there's so much to learn. So, but yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you You're for so joining welcome. us. welcome, yes. Yeah. Very exciting times. Um, what made you pursue filmmaking in the first place? And what roadblocks did you face when you were starting out? It's mm. a good question. If you don't mind, I'll be sipping my coffee in between some of these, Go for uh, it. Go some for of it. these thoughts. Um, <laughs> it's interesting. I feel like I kind of stumbled into it, you know? Like, it was always present in terms of, like, I grew up watching films, and I and I, and it was obviously a a staple for you know for me in my childhood although I do think I <laughs> how old are y'all may I ask 26 almost 23 okay so you know we're not too far we're not too far in, in age <laughs> how um, old are but you I, I'm a, I'm gonna be 28 this year 28 yeah so I was gonna say I'm, I'm in the era of folks that like I I did a lot of reading I was reading a lot as a child you know so mm-hmm. I was that kid that was in school with like the book under the desk 
while everybody was doing their homework. I mean, doing their classwork, you know, homework was already done. Like I was trying to read. And I, and I bring that up to say that like books and reading and stories were like a huge part of like my life period, you know? Um, so it makes sense now that I'm older and kind of, you know, we live in this world that is really image based and image focused that I'm moving into that realm through film. Film allows that, right? Like film allows story to kind of come to the screen. But in terms of like how I came to it, like I said, I stumbled into it. Um, you know, I was kind of more interested in organizing and community organizing spaces in college and activated across some different kinds of spaces with people in my communities, friends of mine, and then experienced like burnout near the end of my, of my college years doing that and really had to like come back to the center and ask the question of like, how it, is it that I kind of want to like change things or contribute my voice or be a part of the conversation in a way that feels nourishing and that also, yeah, just feels helpful, I guess, or it's contributing something different. And I realized that art was actually the way in terms of like it being a mechanism and a tool for, for change. And so I started pursuing photography and, um, you know, more still image-based work at that point. And then when I went to South Africa, I connected with the Sex Workers Education and Advocacy Task Force in 2016 and was supporting them logistically, just like in the office, in the advocacy office. And then when they saw that I had some like artistic, you know, forte, they were like, actually, let's put you towards some like media advocacy work. And so we started making some more media advocacy work together. And like a, a small kind of experimental short film came out of that. So it was really like, these moments um that led to me realizing like oh shit i can do this like mm -hmm. i can pick up a camera yeah. and like film like anybody can do it actually you know what i mean um it's just a question of just jumping into it and now we're here <laughs> <laughs> so we were thinking um because we've been having conversations with other filmmakers in the last month and stuff um We've had a lot of chats about funding for smaller queer and trans artists. And we were wondering if you would like to talk a little bit more about the connection with BFI Network and British Council to help you produce your film and everything. How did that sure. come to be? How did that happen? Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, long story short, um, somebody that I have a relationship with uh, who I've collaborated with briefly before, but is also just a friend, um, is based in the UK. And at the time that we were kind of like putting together this proposal, um, you know, and I'll, it was also a buildup. Like I say, like this kind of work doesn't just happen in like six months. Like obviously it's like several years of building relationships with people, building trust, being present in the space. And so it was more of a question of like something was burning internally in terms of like, I know we can make something. I know we can make something. I just don't know how, you know? And then it like came up. I saw the grant for More Films for Freedom, which is specifically a grant for queer work coming out of the continent and the Middle East in partnership with the UK. And so I hit somebody up that side and I asked them, are you interested in being, you know, the executive producer on this project? And mm -hmm. that's how we were able to, to tap into that. So... All to say, like, I knew someone 
who was willing to come come onto the project. But I I would say for folks who are looking and may not know somebody directly, like just also research people and reach out because you never really know who who might be interested in in coming onto a project, especially because there are a lot of people who are hungry to cut their teeth, you know, and up and coming producers and such. So. It's the only thing is like there's a lot of funding through British Council and stuff, but you have to have like a British person be on the funding partner team. So, you know, thinking through that and like building those relationships so that, you know, that's something that you can tap into at the right time, you know. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, because if if I didn't have a British British Connect, we wouldn't have, you know, the the project wouldn't have gotten that funding. And I'm so grateful because BFI and, and British Council, I mean, that support was, you know, obviously, you know, some people in the filmmaking world might not consider that a, a budget, but I personally, that was like the most money that I've made a film with. So I'm like, you know, it was, it was a significant amount. And so, yeah. Yeah. That's so good. I'm so glad that you got that funding and that you knew someone Thank that you. could put you into that direction. Um, what I know you talked a little bit about working in South Africa and doing small small projects um, around sex work and community-based. What inspired Prayers for Sweet Water specifically and how did you connect to the protagonists, so Wes, Gillum and Flaviana? Mm-hmm. Um, in the film yeah so that was like a, a continuation again of like work that I had been doing so you know as I said like Gulam and Slavi and Wes actually like I all met them when I first came to SA South Africa in 2016 Gulam and Slavi like we've known each other since I started working at well I didn't I never started I I supported I was a volunteer at Sweat for a couple months in 2016 but when I as in started that process of relationship with sweat that's also when i started that relationship with them so we've known each other for years and i've done like little things here and there you know like i've i've helped support like um curating shows like just more artistically oriented things that sweat was putting on facilitating kind of workshop creative workshops and they were part of that so these were um how to say um it was like a continuity of conversations that were already occurring around like media advocacy um i guess activism and i say this with quotes because it's like there's a lot of (laughs) it's like i don't know it's not the right word but you know what i mean like just i think advocacy is a better word but essentially looking at that and i was constantly kind of having the conversation with myself of like where does film me, where, where can film fit into that like where can can that happen because the NGO space can be quite small in the sense that like it's it's small in the sense that like folks interact with each other in the NGO space and then there's like a ton of people outside of that that also don't necessarily know what's going on and then beyond that the NGO space has its own issues so it's like how do you have yeah. conversations with the folks who are the protagonists who are directly involved in this line of work or experiencing life based on whatever identities they might carry or put on or the world puts on them, you know, um, and, and extending those conversations beyond just like these, these spaces and bringing it into an artistic realm. So there's a few, there's a few things. So there's that continuing conversation. Uh, there was my personal journey as an artist and like trying to figure out and that's still continuing today in terms of purpose and kind of uh, marrying that to my craft. And then I also, you know, the pandemic hit 
and I worked on a short film called Deliver Me with a friend of mine, Yanu Alkema, who was the director, um, and Denise, who was the sound person on my film as well. She was also doing sound on Deliver Me, where I was the DP, and that was I bring up Deliver Me because it actually influenced also how I approached prayers in terms of it being um, also a short film documentary following a delivery service bike driver in Cape Town from Malawi. And just like the approach that Yanu took with making that work and the fact that we were a three-person team telling or attempting to showcase or tell someone else's story, the the ways we went about that intimately um, just like not in like a traditional industry filmmaking kind of way um, made me want to proactively try that uh, in a more directional manner with the work I had been doing with Sweat mm-hmm. and the sex workers there. So yeah, it kind of came, a, came about in this like improvisational manner. And then when the More Films for Freedom grant application opened up, it was like even more of a reason to put it all together to try and take a shot and we did and then you know we got lucky yeah, yeah that's so interesting like yeah. it definitely feels very natural mm. like the way you, you get all the conversations in the film mm. so yeah uh, we did um we did the conversations actually after after production and i set up that space intentionally actually it was it was done at this place called the workshop in cape town which is Lang Stewart, Yanu's partner's uh, space. They have this beautiful recording booth set up, you know, with this garden. So you've got this like tranquil space. And it was so important to just like bring each protagonist into that space and just have a conversation. Just continue the conversations that we've been having for years, but just have that in the context of this like holding space. Um, so yeah, it's cool to hear that that, that kind of related the film that is so nice um because praise for sweet waters is documentary making and it follows like the three protagonists and what they do and what they talk about um is there any other type of filmmaking style that you could have considered for this like do you think it could have been any other type of creative more fictional style kind of film instead Mm. Well, I think like we play with fiction a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the thing is, I think I think the question to ask actually is like, is documentary ever not fiction, you know? And I think that's the question that we have to ask ourselves as filmmakers as well is like, you know, and I think I was really struggling with that. It was like, what's my right with the lens? And, and you know, and because I, I also come from a space of understanding that the lens is kind of inherently violent just based on the history of it. and colonialism and the things that were done with that you know so mm. and how that continues to have like consequences and reverberations like in the world today culturally you know so thinking through that and and that was like a big part of my approach to the work in general is like I didn't want to do traditional documentary filmmaking I wasn't interested in the traditional ways that people kind of set documentary filmmaking up with talking heads or the fact that like nobody's compensated or there's no conversation around reciprocity like that doesn't interest me in the making of the work you know Mm -hmm. so I think breaking into that space in that kind of capacity 
that question was already on my head in terms of like what is the genre and like actually fuck documentary filmmaking because in a way it is already its own kind of fiction and so mm -hmm. let's see what kind of realistic fiction i guess in that line and frame line of work we can create while bringing people into the process in in that process so i'm sure there there's a million different ways i could have done it but the the tea also is that like it wasn't just me it was a whole team of people and you know each person brought like something unique to the process and i think especially in post-production that really came through clearly with denise and with piet and was also with job assistance in the editing suite you know there was just people showing up doing what they did do best while also being able to bring the context of like for a number of people on crew being queer or being trans or being a person of color in the context and understanding or having some form of relationality to the content of the film and also being in conversation with our approach to it which at the end of the day as i've always said and i'll continue to say was rooted in care and in holding space for stories to just breathe it wasn't about trying to make a point you know if the side mm -hmm. effect is like we talk about decriminalizing sex work and we talk about transgender justice great because that's definitely a part of it but more importantly like let people fucking breathe on screen and exist without having to it to be some huge sort of like statement without having it be sensationalized in that way um yeah, I think there's room for different ways of making it. But I think also where I was when we started making this work is I was mainly experienced in, you know, kind of like amateurish documentary work. Like I hadn't necessarily been making fiction, like mm -hmm. if what, one, what one would consider fiction work. So yeah, there's also that. That was so beautiful. Like, let people breathe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> I feel like you managed to merge fiction, fictionality within documentary really well with how you use like, you show the car like the main people in the documentary. We see their houses, but we also get a glimpse at like a very queer lens of Cape Town, and you you show them being instead of like like you said like it's not a headshot interview or anything like that. You just like following them about enjoying their day enjoying like skating walking about and everything and that just felt very natural and very intimate and normal mm. so yeah i think i feel like you really really came through with how you filmed it yeah. i appreciate that the dream sequence scenes or the scenes of kind of more um kind of uh more explicit fantasy or not fully of this like everyday intimate life was also kind of like trying to kind of blur those lines a bit you know and they're very brief but mm -hmm. whether it's Wes um working kind of like that sen sensational working space that we that we have Wes in in their home or the altar uh studio space that was created for Auntie Gulam um with her affairs um, that was also production designer um, Jody Bram did excellent work in terms of just like the art direction of that scene and the different kind of elements that were present to speak to to Gulam um, 
and then Flavie's uh, dreamscape scene, which you see more of at the end, where she's wearing that Miss Transgender South Africa sash, and she is the queen, and she has one. You know what I mean? So, kind of different ways, I guess, of of trying to, yeah, access these. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but access these different kind of realms that we're speaking of here. It's so good to hear about the three protagonists, Wes, Gulam, and Flavie. Have they seen the film? How did they find the film? Why do you think this story is important to be told, not only for a trans audience or for other people, but for them specifically mm-hmm. and for yourself? Mm. I wish they could be here to answer that question because I feel like I can't answer it for them. But what I can say is, you know, it was emotional. Like, it was definitely emotional. Like, um, I went with Denise to show um, Kulam and Flavi specifically. Um, Wes saw the cut, because I think we were still, you know, pandemic stuff, lockdown vibes. So Wes saw the cut electronically, and they sent their feedback, and they were just they all, all of them were just like you know like just like just felt it you know and I think we were trying not to cry when we all watched it together the first time like uh when we were in one of the early cuts and we were showing it to them and you know and and I've always I've always wanted to do right by them and to make sure that they feel well represented and that nothing feels forced or inaccurate and so it was important to show them the work and get their feedback. And yeah, you know, in that process, like they, they felt it. And it's hard for me to find words because I'm remembering like what their faces look like and how they responded. And it was emotional, you know? And I, 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 I would, ooze, as we say in French, ooze, I would, ooze to say, I don't even know how to say that in English. Uh, I would dare to say that I think they're proud of the work. You know, and I and I've heard them say that to me as well that they're proud to be a part of this and they're proud to 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 be in the work and and they're excited to see you know where it goes. And I think from my own personal perspective, like this work is important because people are important. Number one, people's stories are important. You know what I'm saying? And when we start talking about folks who live at the intersection of transness, whatever that means in today's context, Africanness, sex work, like all of these things, and then their intersections in a world that isn't valuing that as it should be, I think it's incredibly important to have these narratives have space to just speak and breathe. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Has making this film helped you explore your own identity in any way? Mm. Interesting question. I feel like all work, it, in, in, in a way, like all, all any work that you do, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, I feel it in like, I read that question yesterday and I was thinking to myself, like, it's an interesting question. And maybe maybe at a at a different stage in my like developmental space in terms of my identity, I would have answered differently. But now I will say yes, of course, because I feel that like all work impacts you in a, in, in some way, and like there's a reason I'm attracted to making this work and wanting to to do this work. And I I haven't figured it out yet per se, but it definitely has to do with like gender and race and like conversations that intersect across that and and I think 
yeah i'm still i'm still reflecting on on the ways that it touched me but um i think it's it's still revealing itself to me in terms of how it's how it's touched me and i think it it's done it's it's doing so and it's continuing to do so particularly in my in my identity as a as a maker and a, and a, and an artist yeah such a good answer. <laughs> um, you mentioned being knowing some of the people that you worked with um, already. So I was just wondering, how did you choose the crew for this project? Mm. And are there certain people that you always like to work with? Mm. And also, when you mention about intersectionality, seeing the the credits, I can see that loads of people that worked on this project are, also have intersecting identities mm -hmm. so how was working with them as a trans creator yeah um amazing like I, every time i work with a trans person i'm like yes this is you life. know <laughs> you know and i think it's like it makes all of the difference like i haven't i don't have i'm very um honored to be on this podcast by the way because i'm just like you know, the imposter syndrome sets in. I'm like, me, a filmmaker? What do you mean? <laughs> you know, like, I haven't really been on, like, huge commercial sets and things like that. So, you know, I hear through the grapevine what the experience is like. Or I have been, in my very brief stint, modeling, like, a few years ago. You know, I've been on sets where it's just like, yeah, it's like a lot of white guys. And it's like, that's kind of the norm you know or it's just a lot of guys you know so it's just i hear about that and then what we had was so different and you could feel that you know in the whole process and i think yeah it's it's a difficult one in terms of like again finding words for it but um definitely changes how the space is held um in good ways it, it's just a different ethos of like filmmaking i think and 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 in general, um, I knew for I don't always work with the same people per se. I am open to working with with whoever it is that I'm connecting to and feels like it's in alignment for us to be working together. Um, if that happens to be mostly queer people or queer folks of color, like dope, you know. But I'm also open to to that not being the case. But um, Denise and I were working together already with um, Deliver Me. And then I also had been working with them on this piece that I was doing around food and legacy. They had been doing sound with me on that. And then Baz had also been doing camera work with me on that. So in that, like, you know, folks like that in that capacity, like we had kind of already been building slowly and we were building up to prayers, you know? Because we were in our own relationship dynamics, also just being like, we're, we're gonna do this. We're gonna we're gonna get this funding. We're gonna make this work, and this is how we're gonna do it, you know. And then, folks like Piet, who was my editor on the film, is somebody new that I hadn't worked with before. Also a queer creative, and absolutely fantastic. So somebody we reached out to and were, was able to connect and come onto the project. And I think. Also, like throwing it back to when you talk about the genre of the work and the way it comes across, Piet uh, has a short film uh, production company with their 
their their production partner in South Africa, and um, they predominantly uh, work on short films, fiction. So I believe this was his first documentary short that he edited. And so I do think there is some of that energy from his experience editing like narrative fiction short coming into the process like you know, that was prayers and post-production. So yeah, does that answer your question? Yes, yes, for sure. Um, also, I was just wondering how did the title come up? Like working with all of these people, like was it a collective? title or did you come up with a because it's such a beautiful title and relating to religion and spirituality so i um i actually came up with the title um <laughs> yeah i came up with the title i'm like remembering the like whatsapp chat from like 8 p.m to 11 p.m but just like sending title ideas nobody responding and just being like I know they're just like waiting for me to like fall on the right one <laughs> so I was like trying to come up I was trying to and just reflecting 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 and we'd had a couple people watch the cut by this point and I also felt this in in reflecting on the film and some of the feedback we were getting is that like there was and there is such a strong element of spirituality to the work in everybody's story like I think especially the way that Gulam really just like is an anchor in the film for so many reasons and in terms of just her presence and how she, how her story connects all three, both in the like process of like uh, literally like the technical editing and then just the way that it flows. And Gulam as a person is somebody who is tapped into that kind of embodiment. And so it's Flavie, you know? So it's like, it already existed in our protagonists. And then without us even trying to, it kept showing up in the work. It showed up in the way people were speaking. It showed up in the way the images were coming across, you know, the sacredness. And that's something I, I also was, you know, chatting to to, to folks about as, as, as was also important in the work is like, you know, I, I, these people, and I say these people, I'm like, I don't want to use the word trans because I'm trying to like come out of that. But like, our people, these people, trans people, like we're sacred. So it's like, how do we have something that communicates that sacredity? You know, I don't know if that's a word, sacredity, but sacredness, sacredness. Yeah, you know, and and so there's that element of it, the sacredness of it, the spirituality of it, and and. The fact that we open with a prayer, the fact that there is the prayer of, of, of just like embodiment and existence, that everybody in that film has their own story that translates in a different way. They've gone through their own shit, and yet there's still a message of like hope and journeying beyond even the film's moment. You know what I mean? So all of these things were thoughts that encompass like arriving to the title especially including prayer in it and then sweet waters is actually uh, a translation of camisa which um was uh, was one of the names that folks indigenous to cape town's area prior to colonial settlement co colonial settlement excuse me called it the camisa meaning the place of sweet waters okay so it was it was a combination. It was a play on words. It was also an attempt to 
how do we name Cape Town without naming it as Cape Town? Um, this place that like all three of our protagonists actually aren't from, as in even though Gulam is from the Western Cape, like she's from like a rural outside of, outside of Cape Town city center. So nobody was necessarily from Cape Town city center, but everybody came to this place of sweet waters, right? This place where also, you know, if you do research and you have some historical context, you know that Cape Town was a dock city and that it was a, a big city that was a, because of that also was a big, there was already a lot of sex work going on, especially by the docks. So there's like a historical precedent, you know, there's a, there's a lot of different things to speak to. And I was just trying to figure out in the title how to gesture to these kind of different things that were present or that are present in the stories. Yeah, so good. And talking about journeys, now um, your film is going places, right? You have your film at Sundance. Yeah. Which is great. <laughs> um, what impact do you want your film to have, both within the trans community and in general? Because mm. um, I feel like Sundance has a very cisgender audience. So if you could talk a little bit about that as well. Yeah, I mean, honestly, total shock. Sundance was a total shock. We were obviously, you know, we were trying for for the big festivals. Like, we tried. We got a lot of those. <laughs> you know? So when we got Sundance, I was in freaking shock. Like, I was just like, no way. You know? Um, no way. So still processing that. Um, still processing that. And, you know, I, I you know, so, Sundance might have a cis audience, but you know who has probably even more of a cis audience, <laughs> where we where we premiered at Hamptons. Oh. I don't know if you know Hamptons International Film Festival. It rings a bell. Yeah, I yeah. I think we heard about so, it. Yeah, so proud of that one. It's an Academy Award qualifying fest, and, there's, and they only program five, I believe, five short films. So we were part of, in terms of the documentary section, so we were part of that. Love the programming team there. Mm -hmm. Love them. So big shout out to the Hamptons programming team. Amazing people. Um, but yeah, also it's just quite interesting to see how it was received. And that's it. I was physically there for that as well. So we actually had a really good conversation in that space. But um, yeah, most of these festivals is going to be a cis audience unless you're at like a queer festival, which we did New Fest, and that was that was like it wasn't until we did New Fest, and I was physically there for that as well, that I was like, oh, this is different. Showing to like a room of like predominantly queer and trans folks is a different feeling for sure. Sundance was online this year, so I don't really also know, you know, how in terms of reactions, like how how that, that might've gone on. I do think it worked more in our favor that it was online this year because we were a short and because a lot of folks in the in-person festival program tend to just kind of like prioritize the features, I think. So people had more time to watch more films this year, which actually kind of works out for those of us that are not necessarily doing features. Um, but back to your question, festival circuit, uh, where it's going impact, you know, in terms of community, let's start there. I hope that people can see themselves in the work. I hope that they can, if they don't see themselves, at least 
see someone in their circle in the work. Yeah, it goes back to that thing of just like, what interests me is like how stories can breathe. I think with trans narratives, especially those of color, there's just like a weird sensationalizing thing that's happening in the media right now. A very flattening thing that's happening in the media right now. Like I have to take a moment now and just be like, like it's a lot being alive in a time where people are actively trying to just like take away your rights or already have. And I think I'm, you know, as we're recording this, I'm in, I'm in Los Angeles right now. And there's just like so much shit coming out in the States that is directly targeting trans people, you know, <laughs> and trying to figure out how to like, even re- is it worth a response? Do I respond? You know, when you're somebody who's a student of history or who does a little bit of research, you also understand that this is like a fucking pattern. Like every time there's an election season, we become up for grabs. So it's like, I don't even know if it's worth it for me to fucking be involved in the conversation. So all of that to say, there's so much going on. And part of me, some of the impact I want to have is just be like, can we just see ourselves? Can we just see? Like, I, I, I definitely would like there to be more impact, but I don't know how to do that in a world that doesn't feel like it's listening. So that's just my personal space where I'm at right now, which is why I'm like, you know, in terms of impact, um, it's about figuring out those pathways with the people, you know, so I'm, I'm constantly in conversation with like Gulam and Fevi Inouez around like when, because it also takes resources. That's the other thing to talk about. And this is a filmmaker's podcast, right? So just being realistic about the fact that like, you know, I have also like spent my money on this project in a manner where I have to now recoup and, these things cost money, whether it be like screenings or like putting the work out or whatever. So just trying to figure out a pathway in that, you know, we're building up towards that. I think I definitely want to do some impact screenings. We're still at the early stages of distribution right now in terms of being on the festival circuit, but I'm in chats with like different people around what it would look like to do activation spaces. And that was the thing from the beginning, like before we started shooting is like, I want this film to be something that can activate people. And that was also a conversation I had with the people in the work, right? Like never, never gonna like put the work somewhere where the folks in it don't want it. So they're aware that they're being seen, right? And, and because all three of them in their own capacity also have been functioning as, as, as folks who are working in advocacy, whether it be in sex work, whether it be in trans justice um, or sex worker advocacy justice, they feel comfortable having their face be attached to something that's also going to be tied to like speaking about that. So we've discussed what would impact look like, whether it looks like panels or doing workshops or things like that. But that obviously takes like people bringing the film out and also having the resources to like make that happen. So those are some of the things that I would like to see happen in terms of just like, what would it look like to get policymakers in a room to watch this work and like reflect on it or have it be a part of a lineup that's addressing these kinds of conversations because yeah, I think this kind of work can have an emotional and like spiritual impact on people who watch it, hopefully. And that that can make a difference, you know, sometimes more than like talking at people or trying to get people to read shit can do. So yeah, you know, 
I would like to definitely activate it in community so people can also just like reflect and have different kind of things that they can discuss with one another and, and, and see one another in the work. And, but, and also, you know, again, how do we bring this spaces where folks need to see it who are enacting the policies or the laws that are impacting these very people. So I'm, I'm, I'm open to that. Um, and I'm hoping that that will, that will, uh, you know, reveal itself in terms of like how it will land in those spaces. Yeah. And now that we're talking about influences and impacts, I kind of wanted to ask you if, cause you've done so many different forms of art in the past. <laughs> You're making me sound so experienced. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because you're like, you've you've been there, you've done that, you've been all over. <laughs> I wanted to ask if there's any artists, any type that have influenced your work in some ways and how you've like picked apart things to use them yourself and do your own stuff. You know, Arthur Joppa just keeps like flashing in my head right now. I'm always referencing him. I hope he, like if he ever hears me referencing him my <laughs> I'm just like <laughs> always dropping his name and honestly um yeah it was it was a he he had a his film dreams are colder than death dreams are colder than death had a big influence on me um just stylistically in terms of like how he approached a non-fiction say that with air quotes again kind of topic uh, um, and he was looking at like black life and extensions of different conversations around that with, with artists, intellectuals, and so on and so forth. And anyway, how he makes work, his eye, his conversation definitely is an influence on me. I would say, you know, I'm very bad at remembering um, specifics unless I like see them or I have them like bookmarked so it, this is a, it was one of those hard questions for me but that was definitely somebody that came up first I would say it's more also like um, people who have had impact on me who I'm in relationship to so another person who I'm really really grateful for is Dream Hampton who's a filmmaker uh, stateside from Detroit and we met in I'm going to get the date wrong, but I want to say it was 2015, 2015. Yeah. And Dream and I, uh, you know, had conversations and I asked her questions around filmmaking and the process. And she was one of the first people who also told me, you know, the, the lens, the camera always changes things. So, you know, to be aware of that and, and how to move and to think, think about things like that. So, I'd say my biggest influences are the people that I've either received mentorship from or advice from or work with. And I include like sweat in that. I include the, the, the aunties and the folks in the advocacy office and the conversations we had that like inform my process. I include, um, you know, South African artists and image makers who are, you know, actively engaging in these conversations around what it means to be aware when using a lens or its, its linkage and conversation with these conversations around um, decoloniality, which is like a big word, you know, but just like, what, what, all, what do all of these things mean? How, how do they translate and, and the ways in which people are using that? So 
Yeah, I think it's an amalgamation. It's an amalgamation of all those things. In terms of specifically in film, though, like I also really uh, adore Celine Sciamma's work. Very nice. Yeah, I want to work with her so bad. I have this idea for this like period piece. So I just like I just need to get Celine Sciamma on this project. Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> like gender non-conforming period. It's like listen, you know what I mean? Uh, but like I love just folks who work with like. I don't know, there's like a poetic sensibility to their image making. And and uh, I think, you know, and Arthur Jaffa to me also does that, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a poetic sensibility to his work. And so I think maybe it's just a question of um, artists who are in some ways positioned to like think about these things that we're talking about now and who are imbuing it in their work in their own way. Honestly, your film was incredible, but just listening to you, I'm just like taking everything in. Wow. And it's incredible, <laughs> honestly. Um, I feel like especially like I'm from Brazil. So whenever I watch something that's trans related and, and intersects with different races and stuff, um, it definitely like it's close to my heart, you know? So mm. I was... Yeah, the film really impacted me, um, and it was incredible. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm really looking forward for future projects. So would you be able to tell us a little bit about future projects um, and any hopes or expectations that you have for your career as a filmmaker or in any other different types of art as well? Yeah, I mean... Whew. Yes, there's a few things that I'm like in development on in terms of like at the early stages of like gestation and you know, getting it together. There's a short fiction film that I really want to get off the ground. Um, <laughs> it's essentially following um, a transmasculine character in a cruising space at the beach at sunset. And it's like, a gay male cruising space and i'll leave it at that <laughs> so, that sounds amazing uh, already <laughs> you know so yeah so i'm working on that's something that um i've been marinating on you know constantly thinking about one of the things that's been at the forefront of my mind um has been the conversation around trans masculinity um and trans masculinities uh, and how invisibilized it is and how, again, flattened it is. Like, it's like trans men only or even within that paradigm, it's not even about like trans men versus non-binary people. That's not even my point, but there seems, there's like, a, there's a, there's a, there's a quite a violent language attached to like trans masculine identities and how people perceive them even within the queer community. And so I think, um, part of like shifting the conversation around that is just like telling more stories that again enable breadth and space um for those of us who've existed you know in so many different mo modalities and forms of expression and so with this short it's exploring that intersection happening in a space that is like typically dominated by like the eroticism of mainly cis gay men and
And then what happens when somebody in that space maybe occupies a different kind of context and is being sexualized or is experiencing sexualization? And what are the different kind of like silent conversations or uncomfortable moments that can arise for either parties in those interactions because of like the expectations around the, the interaction. So that's one that I'm currently working on. Um, I also, you know, I've been working on this um, photo series called Try a Little Tenderness, which is a centering um, folks who identify along the spectrum of trans masculine perceived identities and predominantly are of color. And that's like a kind of like an experiment and conversation between myself and each person um, around the intimacies of our experiences. And I wanna develop that into like a short docu, docu-film in a similar kind of stylistic manner as prayers in terms of like poetry of the images and kind of working more with like a quiet, um, you know, artistic environment. And then, uh, like I said, I'm trying to get Celine Siama on this. <laughs> Let's get Celine involved. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like literally, yeah, there's this, this I want to adapt this uh, older uh, erotic literature novel um, that was written in the 19th century in France. And it literally has centering gender nonconforming folks in it. It's like a period piece. And I've always thought it would be so interesting on film. So I'm looking into that. But these are all things, obviously, that I'm also juggling with, like, you know, trying to make money and <laughs> and uh, and everything else. So it's a combination of, 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 of all of that. And uh, so, you know, and, but, but to me, all of the work speaks speaks to each other you know what I'm saying and so whether it's doing that or whether it's doing another activation with Bienvenue à Matable which is like a food project that I do where again we're cooking and legacy and familial connections kind of come into play which is something I'm going to be activating with a friend of mine later this summer stateside so it's a lot of moving a lot of moving parts uh but that also you know keeps things exciting and keeps things feeding one another as well. I think that's a really important thing is like, I, I'm not interested in just staying in one avenue or one industry, you know? And I think, <laughs> I hate to be cliche, but part of like uh, the ways in which my like transness or nonconformity like translates in my work is also the ways in which I work across different disciplines and mediums to like express what needs to be expressed, you know? That's what I got going on. <laughs> You're an absolute inspiration. I'm so happy we're talking to you right now. Um, we're almost getting to the end now. Um, so we wanted to ask you if you had any type of advice for anybody that's like thinking of getting into filmmaking or even just like going cross media and trying different things as well, like you've done. <sighs> I'm like, there's a lot. <laughs> okay, let's see. Uh go where it's warm which is something that someone told to me which i really appreciate uh go where it's warm um and when i say that i mean like go where you feel love go where it feels good um because the best work will come out of that um prioritizing your health and your wellness 
first because the best work will come out of that, you know? So I think that's like the first thing. And then I, you know, especially yeah, in places like LA and Cape Town, I think the allure of like fame or like industry or like making it can be a thing. And I think actually cutting all that noise and all that shit out is like imperative and rather focusing on like who's coming up with you because those are the people who are going to be with you like when you are established because if that's the goal to be established in whatever career you're 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 pursuing focus your energy on people that vibe with you that want to work with you and that have similar values that you have in the work that you're making so not just people who are like good at their craft but also folks who align in the value and the kind of work that you're trying to make so I think it's very easy to get distracted in the world that we live in and feel like you should be working with this person or you should be here. Oh, also that, <laughs> no comparison, Mingo, no comparison. So I would say, yeah, there's, there's so much I would say, but don't compare yourself, um, delete social media. <laughs> yeah. For like weeks or months at a time, it will help the creative process, you know. We're not made to be consuming so many images all the time. So, uh -huh. you know, so I'm like, what advice? I'm like, so much advice. I mean, yeah, so, you know, go where it's warm. Focus on people who are in alignment with you. Um, start with whatever you have. Like, if you don't have the gear, that's fine. Start with a pen and paper. Like, start building those dreams and images in your own space then if you can access like a phone that's a filmmaking tool like you don't need these like big fancy things to make the work you actually just need like a few people who fuck with you and which can even just be yourself <laughs> you know what i mean and um you know and and just the discipline i think so one of the things that i've been trying to do is creating a bit more discipline and and um in my practice and that doesn't look like being militant with my shit or like you know taking the joy out of it but rather creating containers that will make me curious enough to want to learn more and want to keep practicing my skills every day you know what i mean so i think doing that and then finally what i was going to say is making sure that you have time scheduled in for nothing yeah yeah <laughs> those yeah. are great advices <laughs> yeah they're like everything that i need to listen <laughs> you know and the last one's real like and when i say that i mean it's really nice like i like to take walks or sit in the sun you know or do something kind of mundane you know and even just like sitting and doing nothing because things will come to you then because your brain is working so hard when you're working 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 you're creating you're collaborating you're talking we're talking now and then when you sit in a patch of sunlight, if you can, you know, and you're listening to the birds and you're just reflecting, that's when things can marinate and come to the surface that can answer questions for your creative projects. You know what I mean? So completely. that would be my <laughs> advice. Honestly, yes. <laughs> um, I was just wondering, sorry, I'm still taking all of that in. Um, what other queer media would you recommend for our audience and that could be films books podcasts anything music you know what i'm gonna do some googling while we're here because i can't remember everything 
that's totally allowed <laughs> you can always send us some of the recommendations as well for us to share on our social media absolutely so i watched a film at newfest that really touched me a korean a korean movie called a distant place i don't know if y'all have heard of it nope i haven't no. but um it follows a sheep farmer who's living in this kind of remote area and then the arrival of his lover and his sister kind of disturbed things a little bit, but it's, it's such a beautiful piece. So I, I would say that comes to mind. Um, I have this on my bookshelf, which I like to read things kind of uh, in and out. So I'll pick things up, read something, put it down. I got this last year. It's called We Want It All, an anthology of radical trans poetics, edited by Andrea Andrea Abikaram and Kay Gabriel. I hope I said their names correctly. I may not have, but it's beautiful. It's like a collection of pretty much all trans poets and prose writers, and they've all contributed to this anthology. So definitely that. Um, speaking of writers, um, 30 Names of Night, I read that. Uh, about a month and a half ago, but yeah, by Zayn Jukadaf. And like that was the first time I read a book where somebody like, yeah, encompassed a trans, like gender non-conforming individual in a way that just like felt natural. And I just, please read that book. It's so good. (laughs) I will. (laughs) Look it up right now. You know, and I'm also like, you know, purchase and support trans authors as well, which is why I'm putting yes. that forward because it's like, it's really, 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 really beautiful work. Yeah. So that would come to my mind. I'm trying to think of anything recently because, you know, I'm all about the queers, you know. Um, <laughs> what have I watched? Is there anything I've watched? I, wa- I watch a lot of things. That's also the other thing because I watch a lot of shit. So I'm like, trying to source through my head but I'm trying to think about um yeah and then other than that like you know classics like Cheryl Dunier you know in terms of like classic work you know filmmaking work and um (laughs) I don't mean to be a shameless plug for the mainstream but Kehlani just dropped a new album literally just her whole energy like Mm -hmm. I really want to be a single mom so you know she's um and this album is all about healing and i feel like it's a great Mm. like i just connect so much to it in the moment that i'm in my life right now so so thank you for mentioning kilani (laughs) i mean look you know i'm saying like this is what i mean like being attracted to people whose work is rooted in like making with care and you can hear that in her work and she's been sharing that you know they've been sharing that in their process as well and you can see it with the with the whole with their whole crew and everything so this is also shout out you know Kehlani I'm trying to work with you if you ever hear this podcast so (laughs) (laughs) trying to build that you know that cross-continental trans queer connect connect so but yeah, that's, that's, that's what I can think of now. I'm sure, uh, oh yeah, I mean, shame, yes. I was going to say, I'm sure I can think of other thing, other folks, other mediums, and I just thought about it right now. Um, somebody that I adore and admire very much by the name of Keon Williams, K-I-Y-A-N Williams, 
they're having their um, debut New York City solo exhibition called Unearthing at Lyles and King. They're just like a fantastic artist, Ooh. sculptor. They work a lot with um, natural elements and just a variety of different things being in conversation with like different systemic issues slash histories, transatlantic histories. Oh so. You know, that's an artist that I really, really admire. Um, you know, I'm on uh, I'm on the website right now, and this looks absolutely yeah. incredible. They're incredible. They're yeah. absolutely incredible. You know, so but again, you know, these are people that I just absolutely look up to and 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 are inspiring. You know, another friend of mine, also Jay Marie, is holy. They're a musician and artist. Um, they run a space called Black Transcendence, um, which is made up of like a number of different things. But like, for example, uh, this week I'm going to be in Atlanta with them archiving and documenting the, the Black Trans bike tour experience. So, you know, there's folks out here, people are doing stuff, people are making space and uh, it's important to uplift and support and center that. So Absolutely. I'm just grateful to, yeah, be in connection to it's quite exciting to be in a time where it feels like no matter the medium, folks are doing their thing. So, you know, whether it's music or writing or film. For sure. Last question would be, which I think is very funny because you were talking about deleting social media earlier, uh, where people can find you and your work. <laughs> ah, okay. So, yes, they can find me on my website, which is my first and last name, Elijah Ndumbe, E-L-I-J-A-H-N-D-O-U-M-B-E.com. And they can find me at that handle as well on Instagram. Very nice. Very, very nice. There you go. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Mm-hmm. It's honestly been a pleasure to talk to you. And I'm literally taking everything in. It's very funny. It's so funny because I was like listening to talk to you and I was like, damn, I would listen to this podcast, <laughs> you know? Like I was like, fuck, this is good. <laughs> this is really good. I appreciate y'all. Thank you so much for like having me and asking these questions and listening to me blah, but I appreciate it. It's been a total pleasure. So good. Yeah. This conversation has been incredible. We just want to thank Eli so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. Make sure to check out Prayers for Sweet Waters at the New Orleans Film Festival in November and Eli's photographic work on sex, work and queer narratives, which will be shown at the Rencontres de Bamako African Photograph Biennale launching this coming week in Mali. Thank you so much for listening to this amazing episode and stay tuned for our following episodes next month.